Vanessa, Xander, thank you so much for joining me on my fifth episode of Let's Start From The Beginning. And as the title states, this is pretty much going to be us diving down into how VM therapy started and how it essentially evolved into Vanessa and Xander now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so can you kind of both just take us all the way back? How did this all begin? And was this sex therapist business what you originally started out doing? So it all began in uh, back in my parents' car, <laughs> in our minivan, driving home from my grandma's house from dinner. And my parents tried to have the talk with me. So they looked at me in the rearview mirror and they said, if you have any questions about, you know, sex, you can ask us. And I remember in that moment knowing that what they were really saying was, please, for the love of God, don't ask us anything. We don't want to talk about it. This is a taboo topic. And that moment really stuck with me. I did have a lot of questions at the time. I was curious about things that I was starting to hear from my friends. And I remember wondering, why are my parents so embarrassed to talk about this? Why is this such a big deal? So I had no idea that sex therapy existed as a career back at that time, but that moment really stuck in my little brain. <laughs> and I kept coming back to like, why is it so embarrassing for us to talk about sex? And eventually got to the point where I realized, you know what? I think this might be my purpose. I think this might be what I want to spend my life doing is helping people feel more comfortable talking about sex. Great. And when you initially kind of just, when that idea percolated, what kind of led you to forming this business that, that you have built? Because from my understanding, when we first met, it only started out as really a static website. And you guys kind of expanded over the past few years. How, how was that expansion happening? And how did you scale to that extent? So I decided that I wanted to be a sex therapist right around when I was 18, and I went to undergraduate to, do, to study human sexuality at the time. And so as I was going through that training, I was trying to figure out how do I actually become a sex therapist? Because there's no defined career path like the way there is for a doctor or for a psychotherapist. And so those were the two options that I was weighing. Okay, I could become a doctor and maybe I approach this more from the medical end of things, or I could become a therapist and approach it more from the psychological side of things. And so I eventually decided I wanted to pursue the psychotherapy angle. I thought, you know, for me, this is all about communication. I want that foundation in communication and being able to work with it on a deep emotional level. So I went to graduate school for psychotherapy and spent many years working towards getting licensed as a psychotherapist. So I set up a private practice initially that operated very similar to a traditional psychotherapy practice. Like I was seeing clients one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one when it was a couple. And that was probably when you set up your first website. Yeah, too. that was my first website. Uh, it was really meant to be a psychotherapy website where people could come to the website, find out who I was, did they want to work with me, and book an appointment. And that was actually one of the most important things that I wanted because at the time... <laughs> No therapists had the ability to book online. And I was like, I need to book online. I need this functionality. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, we were in San Francisco, like, you know, like tech tech capital, right? 
and you have all these psychotherapists that are you know super behind the times it's all their website it's like you can't even email people it's like call this phone number and no one wants no to one call. wants to call no one wants to call a phone number you don't know who's going to pick up the phone what they're going to say like what's going to happen and invariably like you leave a voicemail and then like three days later some random person <laughs> calls you back and it's just like not a good experience so I, I started off just seeing people in that one-on-one -on -one setting and my practice filled up really quickly and I was saying the same things over and over to people again. So I started thinking like, how do I work with more people? How do I spread this information and these resources and tools that I've created to a larger audience? And I also, at that time, got rear-ended in a really bad car accident. And Life handed you some lemons. It sure did. <laughs> and the pain, I had chronic pain for a long time, and the pain was the worst when I was sitting. So all of a sudden, this job that I had created of sitting in a chair for hours and hours every day, not being able to get up when my clients were right there, I could not do that anymore. So that really forced me to quickly explore other options for sharing my message and sharing all my tools. And so that was when I created my first online course. That was back in 2014. So I started creating them. Things started to take off. And at that same time, Xander was contemplating a career change of his own. Oh, yeah. So do you want to share how you ended up working with me? Yeah, I, I had no idea that I would ever be involved in this. I mean, when Vanessa and I first met and things started getting more serious and, you know, and eventually we got married, I never suspected that we would ever work together because I was, you know, I was, I, I was kind of in the professional corporate tech world. Like I, I started my career um, working in um, human resources consulting, doing a lot of spreadsheet stuff, like compensation consulting, modeling out how people get paid at companies. Um, and then I got a job at Google and I was like building internal HR tools for them, um, kind of like more technical, but not like software engineering technical. And, uh, you know, so I was really great at spreadsheets and building some basic kind of basic apps and stuff. And I was feeling really burnt out. I was like, I'm not really sure what, like how much good I'm doing for the world. Um, you know, it's just kind of challenging being in the big corporate environment, a lot of commuting and just like not really being sure what I really wanted to be when I grew up, so to speak. And so at the time, Vanessa's business was starting to take off. And, you know, one day after, you know, me complaining about so much of my job, you know, day after day of complaining and being like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm not loving this. Vanessa was like, look, you supported me when I went to grad school. So let me support you while you take some time to figure things out. So I quit my job. I took a bit of a break and I started helping her out little by little. I made a spreadsheet for her to track <laughs> all of her clients, um, like the number of hours, what she was billing them, um, and like the ability to generate invoices <laughs> for them or something like that. Um, and that was sort of the beginning Oh, yeah. So then I built that for her clients. But then we also started adding in the ability to track all of the sales of her online courses that were just starting to take off. And then pretty soon she was like, oh, what if we did um, like email marketing automation <laughs> to sell the online courses? And I was like, huh, I have no idea how that works, but I'm a smart person. I can probably figure it out. So, you know, I just started 
started figuring things out as I went, and pretty soon I was uh, the CLO of her business. <laughs> Do you remember the moment that you actually sat down and was like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to quit today? Oh, like with Vanessa? Yeah, or even uh, even with yourself, that, that moment where you for sure were deadlocked on just quitting, leaving your current job, and it's just kind of taking that time off and kind of pursuing and exploring. Oh yeah, no, I I do I do remember. I remember we were we were sitting kind of like in our little table in our kitchen in our in our apartment in San Francisco and I was just I was just feeling really like miserable and restless and just not like really unclear on what I wanted in life and I remember you know I re I remember having that idea that oh wouldn't it be nice to take some time off. But in my head, it was so much like, oh, well, how how would we do that financially? I couldn't possibly ask Vanessa to to support us or, you know, I can't do like, what are people going to think? Like, why, why does someone, why would you quit a job at Google with no other, you know, with no like better job lined up? Like, that's crazy, right? And it wasn't until Vanessa kind of said that to me of like, oh no, like, I got you. Like the, like, I want to see you happy. Like, I don't want to see you miserable. That for me, that kind of, it like clicked. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it's about, <laughs> it's about like my happiness and our happiness and not about what other people think or what I think I should do. Now, when you guys actually started working, working like together, together on the business, how, how was it starting out when you finally started doing that uh, as I guess as a full-time job were there any challenges or difficulties or was it just something that just fell right into place you know it, it really did like work very well from the beginning I think we have been super lucky but there definitely were challenges as oh, yeah. well I mean you know we went from having these separate lives to now we're married but mm -hmm. also we're business partners <laughs> and so we were spending so much more time together and, and just having to get used to this brand new role. I mean, we knew how to talk to each other as husband and wife, but we had to figure out how to talk to each other as, you know, co-business owners. And also just going through the process of at first it was, you know, Xander was just working for me doing a few projects. And then it was, okay, he's got a pretty large role. He's running a lot of stuff behind the scenes for me. And then it was, this is our joint business together. It's not my business that he's working on anymore. So each of those milestones, like we had to learn how to adjust and, and figure out what that relationship was between the two of us. Yeah, I, it, you know, it might have been harder for me than it was for you because I, you know, I was coming from like eight years in the corporate kind of like professional environment. And I was used to, a very specific way that people do things and communicate and like things you do say and things that you don't say and then all of a sudden I'm working with you know my wife and she's like she's never worked in that environment and so you know like I would be thinking like oh well god like this would never happen at Google and then but then I'm like wait who like who cares what happens at Google like this is our <laughs> like this is our company it's not like it's not like the way that they do it is the only way or the best way. And, you know, and so, yeah, it's like, it just took me a while to get used to like, oh, this is, this is my company or this is our company. And we get to decide the way that we do things or the way that we communicate and stuff like that. And I also struggled for a while because 
I was I was doing a little bit of HR consulting on the side as well because before I really made the final decision to go all in on our business, like completely full time, and that only happened about two and a half years ago. Um, I was seeing some, I was doing some HR consulting and it was just a struggle for me to figure out how I balance those two things. And it was like, okay, do I go full time with Vanessa or do I keep doing this stuff on the side that, you know, that to me, I felt like, you know, I felt like it was more of a traditional job that I could tell my friends about and stuff. I think entrepreneurship can be funny because like it, it can be just hard to, it can be hard for other people to understand what you're really doing. Like people would still come to me and be like, oh, are you going to get a real job again? <laughs> and it's like, well, probably not. Like our, bus <laughs> our business is doing, like, we're doing way better than when I had a real job. But most people just don't really, you know, know how that works. Yeah, it, it's quite funny because I get that pretty, uh, pretty often because what people associate to a real job is, are you working nine to five at some big known place? It's like, yeah, no, but this is as real as it gets. I'm actually working a lot more hours than you think. <laughs> yeah. So with that transition of having your mindset of it wasn't like this at Google, how long did it take you to kind of sway away from that mindset? And what were some of the things that you had to kept, keep telling yourself? Because I'm pretty sure there are quite a lot of people actually that go through the exact same thing when they're leaving their corporate job and then going to like a startup, for instance. Yeah, I think it, it probably took me a couple of years. It, it wasn't really until I, until I like psychologically went all in with our business that, that I really made that switch, I think. Cause I kind of had like my, my feet, like each foot in a different world. For a while and and that actually you know at first i thought that i was giving myself options when in reality i was actually kind of driving myself crazy <laughs> a bit so it was it was when i went all in that i was kind of able to be like oh this is this is our company this isn't like I'm, i don't need to compare it to something else um and it was also around that time where we um we we wrote down like what our core values were as a company. And I think that was something that really helped me figure out, oh, okay, the way that we do things, it all ties back to our, our company's core values. It's not, you know, it's not about like, oh, this is the culture at Google or this is the culture at this um, consulting firm or whatever. It was like, we literally wrote down what are all the things that are most important to us? How do we want to do business? How do we want to interact with each other, with our other employees? You know, how do we want to be seen by other people? So that was super helpful. How long have you guys actually uh, been in business? When, when did this all started actually? I started seeing clients in 2012, I think. I mean, I was seeing yeah. clients, you know, going through graduate school, working on my on my licensing and hours, but I didn't get licensed until actually 2013 is when I got licensed and then created the first online course in 2014. Yeah, we probably started selling them in more like selling more of them to actually kind of make an, a living off of it in like 2015 and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I started getting involved, I think, in 2016. Mm hmm. Um, and yeah, I did a number of years. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until late 2020 that really I kind of made that full time 
full-time decision to do it for real. Yeah, and that was also <laughs> when Xander came in front of the camera with me to start like working on content together as a couple. So that was another huge milestone for the business. For a very long time, it was you know just Xander working behind the scenes yeah. on all the operational stuff. And I just had this thought in the back of my head, like I think there's something here about us being able to talk about sex and relationships as a couple who's mm -hmm. been together. We're coming up on 16 years this year. And Xander was really hesitant and just thinking like, you know, no, you're the expert. I don't know anything. Nobody wants to hear from me. Yeah, I mean, I'd watched her go through all these years of school and training and taking this intense licensing exam, right? And so, and I'm like, well, I haven't done any of that. Like, what, like, what do I have to say? Yeah, so I, it took me a couple years to convince him, but I, I really did keep coming back to that idea of that original, the talk with my parents. Like, I want this to be a conversation. I want to teach people how to talk about sex. And yeah, I felt like, like we, we needed yeah. to, yeah, we, we want to show that. people yeah. that you can do it a different way. Yeah, so that was the end of 2020 when we started, you know, doing Instagram stories and then we created a podcast together and then eventually wrote a book together. Yeah, so when you initially started kind of talking to other people about sex, was there any sort of embarrassment that initially came up? Did it take you a while to get to a point where you were talking very confidently about it? Well, for me, you know, my background was in psychotherapy and the training that I went through taught me you don't talk about yourself as a therapist. You know, anybody who's been to therapy knows that your therapist generally doesn't talk very much about themselves in the session. It's supposed to be all about you. And so for me, even though I knew I want to help people get comfortable, I want to take the taboo away, when I first started talking about, you know, things that we've been through in our relationship, mm -hmm. things I've been through in my own life, there was that feeling of like, oh, this is not very professional. I'm not supposed to be doing this. So that took me a little bit of time to get used to. And you definitely had your own story about talking about personal details. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was challenging at first. I mean, I, you know, it, it took, I think it, it took me some time of kind of working through some of my own issues to really feel confident talking to other people about things. You know, I think like, mm -hmm. You know, we've had we've had our own struggles when it comes to you know our relationship and our sex life over those 16 years, and it wasn't until I really went all in on you know us talking about what's going on with us and us going to therapy and us fixing certain things before I really felt comfortable being like okay like yeah I can practice what I preach and I can give this advice that you know stuff that we're legitimately doing ourselves and that's legitimately working for us would you say that the journey throughout all of that actually helped you guys communicate better not only as a married couple but as business partners as well Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think even just something as simple as Instagram, you know, we started doing Instagram together at the end of 2020 and showing up in stories every day and talking about, you know, just talking about sex, giving people tips, sharing like funny stories that had happened to us. And we noticed very quickly, like us talking about this every day was making a huge impact on our relationships. <laughs> it's like, that was just another piece of the puzzle for us of, oh, communication, we're really onto something here. So that was even the early inspiration for us writing sex talks, was just noticing like, the more we talk about this, the better our relationship gets. Yeah. 
And because you touched upon Instagram a little bit, it's, it's always interesting when you take your business out to social media because there's always, on one hand, there's always a lot of people who resonate with your content very well, but there's also people who are absolutely trolls and negative, uh, lots of negativities. How do you deal with that when you come across stuff like that? And when you initially came across stuff like that, how, how did it impact you and did it prevent you from making content for a while? I just block people. I'm very, very quick with the block function. I mean, I won't lie. You know, when you get mean comments from somebody, it definitely, it hurts and it's very weird. I have never messaged a stranger on the internet to say something nasty about them. So I don't understand this experience. But there are a couple of things that I think about. One is I think about what kind of person would do something like that? Like what kind of life do you have to lead that it feels like a good use of your time to be unnecessarily cruel and rude to strangers on the internet. And that really helps me tune into a sense of compassion. I, I truly believe that only people who are deeply hurting themselves want to lash out in that kind of way. And so I just try to, you know, I block them, but I think, hey, I, I hope your life gets better. I hope that something happens that you can take control of your own life so you're not living this miserable life where this seems like a good use of your time. And then another thing that I think about a lot is I am so serious about my mission. Like it's this is my purpose. This is the reason I'm on this earth to help people get more comfortable with sex, to have better sex, better relationships. And if I let the trolls win, I'm not going to fulfill my mission. And so I try to think about the people whose lives I can change. I think about like I wouldn't be able to change their lives because I'm so hurt over a troll saying something mean to me <laughs> so that helps as well and yeah and then it's just really boundaries blocking people ignoring people so I set a rule for myself early on too that I thought you know I'm willing to engage in discourse with people like I, I really believe we all have different opinions and perspectives and they're all valid so if somebody wants to approach us from a respectful place mm -hmm. and say I hear what you're saying you know what it's actually different for me or have you ever considered this perspective like I love that I love hearing new perspectives and ideas but if somebody's going to approach me with rudeness and there I can tell there's no desire or no um, intention to speak to me as a human being then out of here I'm not communicating with you so there are times when I even want to respond I think I was just sharing one with Xander the other day I was like mm, I really want to respond to this person but I have a rule for myself I just don't <laughs> that's that's pretty good too because that, that takes a lot of self-control honestly it does. <laughs> but on on the flip side as well for those who were actually reaching out about questions are you able to actually respond back to every one of them what's the process like for that how do you manage responding back to people if you do well at this that's point that's, yeah. that's the million dollar question <laughs> at this point we have 360,000 followers on instagram and we get like just hundreds or thousands of messages every day so we're unfortunately not able to respond to everybody directly but it is important to me that people feel like they're part of a community so i spend a lot of time and effort at least acknowledging people's messages and you know thanking them for sending them and we look at those messages as inspiration for the content that we create yeah. so if somebody sends a message saying you know my husband and i haven't had sex in three years how do we even start to break this dry spell 
I can't respond back a personal response with like all, you know, all this advice written out, but we mm -hmm. will like, you know, screenshot that. And then maybe a couple weeks later, we might return to like, hey, let's talk about, you know, some general advice of what to do if you've been in a long dry spell. So it is really important to us to listen to our community and to hear what are the things that they're struggling with so that we can create the content that's going to best serve them. Yeah. And I mean, we take a lot of DMs that people send and like, you know, we'll, we'll screenshot good questions and stuff and like send them to a Slack channel so that we have kind of a repository of good questions that we can answer on social. So like we can make a story about that. So like, you know, a lot of you know, people won't get a personalized response of like, oh, here's exactly what I would do in your situation. But, you know, maybe a week later, we will do a story on Instagram answering that person's question and kind of going in depth on it so that anyone who has a similar question can get the answer. As your social media account uh, grows, and I remember when you guys first actually started this, um, I've, how did you go about hiring your first employee? I, was that also through social media as well? I think you might have been the first employee, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, the 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 first employee was well, my sister. Um, my yeah. sister was looking for a job at the time, and I was at a point where I had so many tasks on my plate that I really needed help. So she came on originally to do customer service, and then she also started doing social media as well. So that was very easy since she's my sister, and you know <laughs> I knew. And then Xander came on after that. And then there was a certain point where we were, you know, there was just so much work that we needed more help. And so we hired a VA and that was a connection through um, an online course that we had taken. So it really wasn't until, let's see, 2020 was when we hired our first like full-time stranger yeah. employee, somebody who was not part of the family. That, and that was Laura. Um, and she, we hired her through Indeed. Indeed. And then our next hire after that was when we started posting stuff on social media. So I think at this point, three of our employees have been hired directly from our Instagram community. Yeah. Cool. What we do now when we're posting a job is we'll we'll post it on Indeed, but we'll also talk about it on social a little bit and then, you know, tell people who want to apply to apply through Indeed. Um, I think there's there's definitely a lot of there's conflicting opinions when it comes in like sort of like online business world or online course world. If you have a, a big social account, there are conflicting opinions over whether you should or shouldn't hire <laughs> from your audience. And I think it just, it depends on what you do. Like, you know, a lot of people, people that are, that say do like business advice or like business courses in general, I think a lot of people in that world don't like to hire from their audience because the worry is like, oh, you're just going to hire another entrepreneur who like wants to kind of reverse engineer your business or figure out what you're doing and start their own business. In our case, like it's not, it's not like about, you know, it's, we're not so worried about that. Like, you know, we just have, you know, everyday, you know, normal, you know, everyday people following us. It's not like we have like only entrepreneurs following us or only people that specialize in a certain thing. So we love hiring from our audience. It's worked. It's worked really great. What is your team size now, actually? There are nine of us full time. Really? Eight, eight of us eight full of time. Us full -time. Sorry, eight of us full time, and then we have two 
part-time. No, there are nine of us full-time with Vanessa. <laughs> we oh, have yeah. two part-time employees and then one contractor who helps with our podcast. See, it's, it's kind of crazy because I remember when I was just first working with you, Vanessa, it was nothing but just email communication back and forth. And yep. Xander came on board. <laughs> and in, in, in a funny way, it feels like we're getting farther apart, but that's because your business is growing. How, mm-hmm. how do you keep up with all of that? Uh, all of that stuff how do you how do you delegate out pretty much task and keep reminding yourself i shouldn't be doing this there's someone else to do this i can stay organized (laughs) laura was the really important hire for us with that um we had read these books uh, rocket fuel and traction and they talked a lot about the role of a visionary versus an integrator and the visionary is really meant to be like that big picture thinker being creative coming up with new ideas and often what happens is that visionary people are very visionary and they sometimes have a hard time bringing the visions down into the practicalities of like how do we actually make this happen yeah especially in like a content driven business yeah And so we realized, you know, we both spent many years doing the tactical, you know, nuts and bolts stuff. Like we've had our Mm -hmm. hands in every part of the business. And we realized after reading those books, like we want to sit more in those visionary seats. Like we don't want to be doing all the day-to-day operations. So that's where the integrator comes in. It's their job to take the visions and say, okay, bunch of great ideas, guys. We're just going to start with this one. And here's how we're actually going to create a plan to make that happen. So they really, you know, run and operate everything. And so we wanted to hire Laura and this was in 2020, which was obviously a very scary and uncertain time. And so this felt like a pretty terrifying investment to make in our business. Like the world is so uncertain. This is going to be like the biggest salary that we've ever (laughs) paid anybody. Like, do we really want to take on this employee? But that felt super important to us to be able to, yeah, get fully into that visionary role. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it felt like that's what was really blocking us from growing was that, you know, we were kind of stifling our own growth. Because like a, a great example would be, you know, we Vanessa and I would be talking strategy or talking about ideas for maybe like a new course or or a tweak to one of our existing courses. And as the as the operations guy, like Vanessa would make a really great suggestion. And in my mind, I'd be like, huh, that's a really good suggestion, but it's going to be so hard to implement this. Like it's going to require completely rewriting the email funnel and changing like five different web pages. And like, it would be so much easier to just do this other simple thing. And so like, I would end up shutting down good ideas before we even got to flesh them out because I didn't have the time to execute on it. And that was when I was like, okay, like I need, I need help because I can't, I don't want to be the no person and I don't want to be shutting down like good ideas that are going to help our business grow because I don't have time to do the strategy and the tactical stuff. And looping back around to your question about like how we learned to work together, like that was a big, a big experience for us of, of, you know, as, as a husband and wife, it was starting to affect us. I'm like, Hey, I'm so excited about this stuff. And this is my business that I started and I want to create these courses. And it, yeah, it was starting to create tension between us of Xander saying like, no, we don't have the time or space for that. So yeah, bringing in a third person, um, was really, really valuable for us and has just changed the business in some really dramatic ways. That's, 
that's funny because um, first talking about the books Traction and Rocket Fuel that you mentioned, if this podcast is doing anything, it's advertising for those two books because I think at least <laughs> the last two or three episodes mentioned the exact same books. Oh, yeah. But, so they're good ones. They're very good. Yeah. I think every every budding entrepreneur should read those two books. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is that that point where you had to admit that you needed the extra help. Was it was it something that was percolating up for a while before you were able to actually admit to yourself that you needed help or did it just come naturally? Yeah, it took us a while to realize yeah. that and a lot of, you know, tension and conflict between us of like, oh, we want to do this thing, but like, no, we can't do it. Um, and we realized, yeah, things were like, it was just, it was feeling like we were slowing down the business. And so it took us probably a year, you know, to both yeah. but get both get on board with the idea of hiring somebody else. I, I was much more into it and Xander yeah. was dra- dragging his feet a little bit more on it. Yeah, I was I was definitely the one slowing us down. I mean, you know, my my fear was just like I don't want to have to manage a bunch of people, you know, in my in my role at Google, I had I had shied away from people management because I just was like I wasn't very motivated to be a people manager and, you know, kind of like take that path. Um, and so I sort of had this story of like, oh, that's not who I am. Like, that's not what I can do. And like, I don't want to have to be responsible for this other person or like be be a leader, really. And uh, yeah, but it wasn't until I actually was like, you know what? No, I need help. Like, I cannot do this alone. I've been trying to do this alone, but the result is that I just keep saying no to things and I don't feel very good about myself. So, you know, but that's the other great thing about that sort of the the model that they talk about in Rocket Fuel and Traction is that, you know, the integrator's job is, is actually to manage all the other employees in the business. So the integrator is basically like, like Laura reports to us and everyone else on our team reports to Laura. And so Laura is sort of like the translator between the team and us and us and the team. So she is really good at, at listening to us talk about these big ideas and then figure out, okay, what needs to be communicated to the rest of the team? How do we kind of translate this into action steps for the team? And I think the way that I was eventually able to sell it to Xander (laughs) was to focus on how good it would feel for each of us to be able to sit in our zones of genius. You know, so we both were doing a lot of you know, everyday grunt work tasks that neither of us enjoyed. And Mm. I think this is a trap that a lot of entrepreneurs can get into of feeling like, well, I've got to do this. And you you can get addicted to the busy feeling of like, oh, I'm just checking things off my to-do list. Or you're like, I'm really good at these things. I can do them really fast and it would take me longer to train someone to do them. And it's like, yeah, that's true in any given moment, but like over the next year, that's not true. If you train, you take a little upfront time to train someone to do something, you know, in a month or so, they're banging that out for you and you don't ever have to do it again. Yeah. And so just trying to talk to him about like, imagine what it could feel like if you didn't have to do these things that you don't love. And instead, the majority of your day was spent doing tasks that you're good at and you enjoy doing. And it feels, it feels like that's your zone of genius. And so for both of us, that made the transition feel a lot easier. Would you say then that transition, uh, would you say that transition came rather quickly as soon as Laura came on board or did it take time to kind of adjust to that transition? 
It took time. I mean, we we really wanted to give Laura a lot of time and space to get used to the role. And that that is one of the hardest things about hiring. Fortunately, we had a mentor tell us early on in the process. Um, they said, you know, give yourself, like when you have a new employee, give them a year, like a year to get up to speed with what your business is, to learn everything, and then, you know, to start taking the initiative themselves. And they were sort of, we've heard it talked about in like three different phases of there's one phase of your employee just observing what you're doing and learning. Like, okay, these are the SOPs. This is the way things are, are done. The second stage is replicating. So them taking over and being able to replicate exactly what you've been doing, getting the same sorts of results. And then the third stage is improving, is you know taking it to the next level. So I think us having that timeline in mind of like, it's a year. Like we're not going to feel a huge difference because we want to give her the time. There's a lot to learn. There is a lot that she's got to figure out here. Um, that made it feel a lot easier just having that time frame in the back of our heads right from the get-go. Yeah. And I mean, and, and at the time that Laura started, our business was complicated. We had a lot of different courses. So mm -hmm. those, those, you know, the actual kind of business and operations of what we were doing, but then there was also like, you know, like eight different <laughs> course offerings in, oh more we had yeah, more. probably more than that in like all these different areas so it was like not only you know her needing to figure out how we run the business but also like what are the things that we are actually mm -hmm. selling you know I think it could have been very different you know there we have you know friends that run businesses similar to ours that basically sell like one or two different courses and they just are all in on this one topic area and like yeah, that might have been easier to to train someone to kind of take on, you know, a, a company that that does has offerings like that. But yeah, so it was it, for us, it was just like yeah, needing a crash course and all the content, and then also like the history of how we sell all these different things and what our plans are for the upcoming year. But um, I mean, once it once once we kind of got through that year or so like things really started to take off. And then I was like all in on hiring more people. I was like, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> Vanessa at this point had to be like, no, stop, that's enough hiring. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with that being said too, everything at the start of 2020 was when pretty much all of this started ramping up. It, it feels like almost you guys really took that year to kind of self-evaluate and expand from there almost, it feels like, right? Yeah, I mean, 2020 was a it was a rough year, you know, like I, as is the case for pretty much every other business owner. Um, so it was it was a really big roller coaster mm -hmm. for us. But I think we learned a lot about, you know, being flexible and nimble and, you know, trying to like put out new offerings that mm -hmm. were speaking to what people were going through and, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and start sharing more of ourselves. So, you know, yeah, we learned a lot from that year and we're able to go into 2021 feeling like we were in a really strong place. And leading into that 2021 and 2022 even, what was that final push that made you guys rebrand to Vanessa and Xander? Was it you, Xander, coming all on board or was it a discussion that just came out, came out of it? Yeah, it was Xander deciding to come in front of the camera with me and start talking about content together. You know, we we did that at the end of 2020 and our Instagram account in particular like just really started to explode yeah. in 2021. And so we felt like 
you know, this this is really the direction that the business needs to be going. We're both excited about it. Mm-hmm. Our community is excited about it. Like we're having so much growth because of it. And so it felt very natural at that point of like, it's both of us in front of the camera. It should be both of us on the name of the business. So that's why we decided to rebrand at that time. And I actually, I never even loved the name VM Therapy. The reason that we picked it was just because that was a URL that was available at the time. You know, I had just wanted my name as the URL, but that was already taken. (laughs) And so I think it was, yeah, somebody else was doing some research for me on URLs and said, well, this one's like pretty close. So I never really liked that to begin with. So once we changed to Vanessa and Xander, it was like, yeah, this this feels right. Yeah, and I mean, we also got to a point in our business where we weren't really offering therapy anymore. Yeah, like Vanessa yeah. wasn't seeing clients one-on-one anymore. We were selling courses and guides and, you know, offering, you know, some degree of coaching, but not therapy. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like, okay, you know, what, yeah, what, what does the VM stand for? Like, why is the therapy <laughs> in it? It just would, yeah, it made a lot more sense to change. So, yeah, I mean, we still have that URL, but we now own VanessaAndXander.com, which redirects right back to VM <laughs> Therapy. And it's actually both of your names, so that makes it even more perfect. Yes. <laughs> with the with the therapy part, was it something that just uh, over time went away, or was it something that was in the back of your mind, knowing that you wanted to move away from that and more towards the courses? You know, when I originally started my private practice and it filled up very quickly, I realized, like, you know, I I did want to have this psychotherapy background to help me work with sex. I know it's such a sensitive topic, but the idea of seeing clients for eight hours a day, like, I, I actually didn't really like it. It was very exhausting. And I felt called to work with more people like on a, on a broader level. And so I started, you know, as soon as I started creating online courses, I slowed down on seeing clients individually. And that was great for a really long time. Like I really loved the balance of having the online courses and building up this online business and seeing some clients as well. Like I love working with clients. It's really fun. It's just having that like totally full practice was too much for me. And so for many years, we did both. And as time went on, I gradually started narrowing down my practice because the courses were just taking off so much faster and eventually got to the point, um, actually, when was it? It was 2021 or 2022 where I decided, you know what, I'm not going to take any new clients at this point. So I had the final few clients that like slowly wound down. I actually still have one client that we (laughs) check in every once in a while. But um, yeah, I I might go back to it at some point in the future because I do love working with people and there's something so transformative about working with somebody directly. But for now, the impact that we're able to make and the fun that we're having with the online business, it's just too big to to go back to client work at this time. Yeah, and speaking of fun, you guys also finally published your book not too long ago too. What was that process like? I'm pretty sure it wasn't as fun writing all of those drafts, was it? <laughs> it was a long process. Yeah, so our book is called Sex Talks, The Five Conversations That Will Transform Your Love Life. And it ended up being a two and a half year process, you know, from the original idea of creating the book yeah, that to was the like, book coming out. I think that was like December 2020 or like January 2021 when you were starting the process of thinking about a proposal. 
No, it was before then. Oh, it was before that. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was a really long process. And I always wanted to write a book. So I was very, like, you know, inspired by it. It was a lifelong dream that I had. So I was really excited to be doing it. But it is definitely a slog. It's really hard. Um, It's just a totally different kind of pressure than I'd ever faced before. And going through the editing process and just all the steps or so many steps from you know the cover design the page layout the audiobook creation all the edits um it just takes such a long time so i'm really proud of what we've created and i'm super excited that it was an instant new york times bestseller um so i i loved i loved doing it and it was a lot of work <laughs> now i have to ask this as a follow-up to what was what did that moment feel like when you went into a store and the book was just right there? That was it was really cool, really really cool to see our books there. I mean, so. It's been a childhood dream of yours. Yeah, it really has been. So it's been amazing to see that. It's just I will not get over it. So we still have people sending us pictures on Instagram of, hey, I saw your book in my local bookstore, and I just I love getting those pictures and seeing people buy it and read it. It's very very cool. That's awesome. And normally I open up this podcast with having the people I'm talking to talk a little bit about what their business does. But if anyone listening doesn't really figure that out quite yet, (laughs) can you kind of just briefly talk about what it is that Vanessa and Xana does? So at this point, we are an online business that helps couples keep the spark alive in their long-term relationships. And we do that through online guides and courses about stuff like sexual techniques. So we have our foreplay guides. We have a next level intercourse guide. We also do challenges for couples. We have a sex challenge, a connection challenge, um, and we have courses that go deeper into topics like helping parents reconnect, or um, we have a very comprehensive course. It's like everything you need to have the best sex of your life. Um, So we have all those courses. We also have our book, Sex Talks, of course, and a podcast of our own, Pillow Talks. And all of that will be in the link in the description. But otherwise, before we finish up this podcast here, one of the other things I like to do is just give everyone a brief time to really talk about something they're passionate about or if they're trying to advertise something. Is there a message you would like to leave with the audience? We're definitely passionate about talking about sex, you know, to bring it all full circle to that initial conversation. Like, we truly believe that talking about sex is the best thing that you can do for your sex life, for your intimacy, and it doesn't even involve taking your clothes off. (laughs) So (laughs) definitely check out Sex Talks or come follow us on Instagram. I forgot to mention that, too. We're at Vanessa and Xander, and Xander's with an X. So Vanessa and Xander, we show up on stories every day. We'll help you get those conversations started, give you topics to talk about with your partner. So I just think it's such an important thing to do. Like we can't have this expectation that we can have an incredible relationship, an incredible sex life if we cannot talk about it. And if you're feeling worried about that, like, yeah, it can take a little bit of time getting used to that. But just think about it this way. If you can talk about sex, like imagine all the other things that you can talk confidently about. You can talk about anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa, Xander, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thanks Thanks for having having us, us, Tony.